Mark chapter 2, verse number 1. Good to see Brother Dustin Spence, his family with us. Amen. Brother, why don't you leave us a word of testimony, if you will. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Your patience possess ye your soul, the Bible says. If you, before you leave, if you'll be so kind, step outside in either foyer. Well, it has nothing to do with kindness. Rather, I'm just asking you to do it. There's prayer. There's a prayer calendar out there. Every Saturday in the month of August, I want you to take a 30-minute slot. I would like to have every one of those slots filled. You can pray at the church. You can pray at your home. But we're fixing to bombard heaven with prayer. And we're going to bombard hell with prayer. And we're going to see revival in Wallace Ridge. Amen. Thank you for those who showed up. Prayer meeting on Monday night. I encourage you, if you have not made it to prayer meeting in a while, prayer meeting is just as important than church. So please show up for prayer. I'm going to do something a little different this Monday night because I feel the Holy Ghost prompting me to. We're going to have church Monday night. It's supposed to be prayer on Monday, but I think we just go ahead and have church on Monday. Amen? I'm going to be here. God will be here. I know it's last minute, and I know if you already have plans made and things set in stone, I'm not talking about a cookout. But I mean, I know if you have plans that you cannot adjust, perfectly understandable. But if you can make it to the house of the Lord, I don't know who's going to be preaching, but somebody will be preaching. But we're going to have a move of the Holy Ghost. So Monday night at 7 o'clock, be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Mark chapter 2, verse number 1. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. Straightway many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk? but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. 
He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thy house. Drawing my subject matter, verse number three, and when they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four, when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. No doubt the Holy Ghost spoke to me this afternoon in prayer, gave me my assignment tonight, and I want to preach for a little while on this thought, the mission of the spiritually mature. The mission of the spiritually mature. Could you lift your hands one more time? I want you to ask the Lord to give you ears to hear tonight and hearts to respond and to obey the word of the Lord. Father, we need you tonight. We need that anointing. God, I feel the witness of the Spirit. I know that you're trying to lead us and speak to us and guide us and put us where we need to be going. I pray, God, you would give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, and faith to obey. In the mighty name of Jesus, we give you praise. Can we clap our hands unto the Lord? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord bless you. You may be seated. A cycle of life. There's nothing like it. The animal world cannot even be compared to the human world. It's been said that you come in this world in diapers and you leave in diapers. Maybe not everybody. But you know, when a person is born, it doesn't take long for that selfish nature to begin to exhibit itself. Because that baby, all it knows is to cry when it wants to be fed. Cry when it wants to be changed. Cry when it's mad and when it's not getting its way. And as you watch that baby grow older, it'll start to develop words like mine. That is a, a selfish word. You try to watch children share toys when they're, when they're little. And you see that selfish nature on display. And this old atomic carnal nature can be described in one word, and that is selfish. That's why the Bible said that a carnal mind is enmity against the Lord. God hates a carnal mind because that carnal mind is all about self. What is in it for me? What, what can I get out of this for me? And that's why it's so important when we come to the Lord, when a person repents of their sins, they surrender their will to Jesus Christ and buried with him in baptism and they receive the gift of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in tongues. Their nature is being changed by the power of God. And no, they're not a baby in the flesh. They've already done that. They're a baby in the spirit. But it's not the will of God. For people to remain. 
spiritual babies. Scripture is clear to us. In Ephesians 4.15, Paul says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. You ever hear anybody tell someone, you need to grow up? In other words, stop acting like a kid. Stop acting like a baby. Get a little maturity about yourself. Paul says we need to grow up in God. In other words, the things that, that, that you're struggling with in your first year, you ought not be struggling with in your sixth or seventh or tenth year. Easily offended. Anger. All of these things, Paul says, let me tell you what to fix a lot of things. If you'll grow up, he says you need to be growing. You need to be maturing in Christ. He says in 1 Peter 2 and 2, Peter says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. So this tells us that it takes the, uh, the word of God uh, that brings forth spiritual growth. Uh, but as Brother Jason Black taught so wonderfully on Sunday, it's not just a knowledge of the word that brings about maturity. It is the application of the word uh, that causes us to grow. We have got people that are spiritually malnourished. Because they're not digesting. They're not getting in that word and letting the word bring growth to their spiritual walk. He says in Peter, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we can look at those two verses and we can, we can walk away with this thought. Number one, it takes the word to grow in knowledge and in application. How do we grow in application? Grace. He says, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So it takes the word for us to grow in knowledge and it takes grace for us to grow in application because God's going to understand, God understands that you're going to drop the ball every now and then. That you're going to miss the mark every now and then. And he says, you just keep trying because I'm going to give you grace to grow. It's not the will of God for his church to all be spiritual new converts. There ought to be some earmarks of spiritual maturity in our life. I'm just going to say it like this. It don't matter who gets your seat. We're not changing seats right now. I'm just saying, if a guest comes in, I literally know of people that have told guests, you're in my seat. That's why it's dangerous when you start having people buy pews. I've been in churches where there was plaques on every pew. That's ownership. Let me tell you, we don't own anything. Everything that we see belongs to the kingdom of God. This was so, that was what's so beautiful when I preached in, 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 in Moss Body is on Sunday we divided up and went to different churches. 
and we walk in and they have those plastic lawn chairs as seats everywhere. And I thought, well, this is unique. Never seen this for church service. But I figured out why. It's because as soon as they hit the first note, everybody got out of their seat, drug it to the side of the walls, and it was a huge dance floor. And all they did was worship and jump and dance. And when it was time for the word, they didn't go grab the seat that they drug over there. There was no ownership. They just grabbed the seat and come back. They didn't put it in rows. Drove me nuts. I like it all to be perfect. Because it didn't matter to them because they weren't going to be sitting down very long anyway. It would do us some good to realize, hey, it's all about the kingdom. I got to be growing. And the things that bothered me years ago don't need to be bothering me right now. And, and you know what? There's people that go, oh, that wouldn't bother me until somebody takes your seat. Then we find out what bothers you and what doesn't. We have got to be growing. If you look at the life of Christ, his life can be summed up in one word, selfless. Everything Christ did of anybody, of anybody that ever walked this earth, that could have been justified in being selfish could have been Jesus. He, as a little baby, had to keep his mouth shut when he already owned everything. He's the only one that could have said, give it here, is mine. Because it all was his. Yet he kept his mouth shut. He went through the process of life. That's why the scripture hides his life from everybody except when he was a baby and when he was 12 and it picks up when he's 30, when it was time. Hides his life. But I promise you this, he was selfless throughout his life. It was not about him. This is why scripture says, if any man follow me, let him first deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. What he was saying is, if you're going to be one of my followers, you cannot live a selfish life. You have to live a selfless life. And when you get on the cross, it's not about you. It's looking out about everybody else. You see a bunch of lost people. You see people with problems. You see people that need saving. We have got to be set free from the mindset that it's all about me. Friend, this church does not exist to keep us happy. This church exists so we can be saved. It will not always please us, but we can strive to always please him. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. It's not about what I like. It's not about what I like. We, we, we're in one of these day and ages where everybody's a winner. 
we cannot offend anybody. Let me tell you, the only time I can really say that everybody's a winner is when it comes to Bible quizzing. Because it didn't bother me. If they ever hit a buzzer, they put the word of the Lord in their heart. And that's greater than a trophy. But we're in such a politically correct world where we cannot offend people. You know why? Because people have lost their maturity. Everybody's acting like kids. And when the parents start acting like kids, it's called chaos. Somebody's got to be in control. Somebody's got to call the shots. And parents, we're not called to be friends. We're called to be parents. We have got to be spiritually mature. mature. Enough to understand that we have a mission. Touch your neighbor and say, you've got a mission. And the mission can only be accomplished by the spiritually mature. If, if, if I preach by the end of my preaching tonight, you may realize, you know what? I'm not mature enough. God can help you with that. If you'll help yourself. We look at our text tonight. The Bible says that it was noised abroad that he was in the house. Now I could preach this seven ways from Sunday, but I want to just stop right here and say this. If we ever get to the point where Jesus is not in the house, then this is, more, this is nothing more than a concert that we pay in the middle instead of at the beginning. Everything we do revolves around the fact that Jesus is in the house, that Jesus can heal, that Jesus can deliver. If we lose Jesus, we have lost everything. And it was noised. It was noised. Abroad. He was in the house. I'm going to be very careful with what I say, as careful as I can be, maybe not as careful as you could be. But we got to make certain we don't get so enamored with preachers that we lose the sight of the fact that it's all about Jesus. Because preachers can gain a following. But Jesus is all that matters. I understand that we have different preachers that we like how they preach, and there's I get it. Hey, I, I get it. But we can't get so focused on a man that we lose sight of the God of the man. Because I've seen people fall because a man was moved out of the equation. But if you get connected to who's always in the house, then the preachers can come and go. But Jesus is going to stay. And it was, it was noise. There ought to be so much noise reverberating through the community of what's happening in an apostolic church. The day that we become just another denomination is the day we start dying. Because this is not about a denomination. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ that's founded in Acts 2.38. I'm fixing to start preaching, okay? 
That's my introduction. It was noise that he was in the house. And when he's in the house, there ought to be people with problems. It bothers me and worries me when we don't see worldly people in the house of God. I'm not talking about saints that can't live right and are acting worldly. I'm talking about people that need that have problems and that they need help. And they're saying, I'm coming to the house of God because this is the only way I can turn my situation around. I'm talking about people that can't fix their own problems. We gotta have those kind of people. We gotta have white people. We gotta have black people. We gotta have Hispanic people. We gotta have Asian people. We gotta have people of every nation, of every kindred, of every tongue, because they all need Jesus. Hey, this is a hospital. Whosoever will, let them come and drink of the waters of life freely. Let us not get so comfortable. Watch this. You might as well stay standing some because he's going to be tired by the time I'm done. Here was a man that he was, he was sick of the palsy. He could not fix his own problems. But there was four people that were mature enough to say, oh yeah, I got problems in my life. We all have problems. But they were mature enough to say I'll put my problems on the back burner to help somebody else get to Jesus. Hey, friend, every time you come to church, you got to realize there's people that have way more problems than you. We're a blessed people, and it falls upon us. It's the mission of the spiritually mature to say, I'll help you get to Jesus. I'll help you have a breakthrough. I'll help you push. I'll help you get past your situation. Everybody can't do it, but I'm looking at people that are mature enough to say, I'll help you get to Jesus. You can be seated just a second. We got people. We got people that every time they come to church, God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I got problems. Feed me. Change me. Burp me. Me, me, me. And there's people that are coming in and they can't get a breakthrough and they're so burdened down with life and they need somebody to say, let me help you. Get to Jesus. I'll put my stuff aside tonight and I'll help you get to Jesus. I'm not going to worry about me tonight. I've been doing this for 30 years. I think I can take one service to help you get to Jesus. Let me tell you, if you've been doing it 30 years and one service is going to throw you off, that one service wasn't a problem. Brother Glenn, here comes four people. And they said, we can't, we can't get to Jesus the normal way. But we'll go up. And the Bible said, they uncovered the roof. And they broke up the boards. He couldn't do it for himself. 
There's people that they can't get to Jesus by themselves because of the seasons and the circumstances of life. But there's value in having spiritually mature people that recognize when someone is struggling, that recognize when someone's in a down season of life uh, and can go partner up with them uh, and say, I know uh, you're having a problem tonight uh, getting to Jesus, uh, but let me help you. I'm going to start uncovering some things that's hindering you. I'm going to start breaking up some things uh, to get you to Jesus. Let me tell you what needs to be broke up. Here I am. I'm at my message now. There's some things that the Lord dealt with me today that we got to break if we're going to help people get to Jesus. Look, I ain't even been on my notes. First thing that we got to break up is we. I don't even know where I'm at now. We got to break up. A mindset of tradition. Because they tried to get to Jesus the way everybody else always got to him. Couldn't do it. And so they had to do something different. But he still got his miracle. You know, people are afraid of change. I mean, look, God's gave me a little wisdom. Little, since I've been pastoring. Because when I started pastoring, I was coming in with guns a-blazing. I was ready to chase every demon and change everything. And God gave me some wisdom. I ain't changed a picture since I've been here. I wanted to come in one day, have all the musicians on this side, the chairs on this. I mean, I just, and the Lord just pulled those reins on me. Wasn't time yet. Because I'd have had an uproar. Because people don't like change. You notice you're still sitting in your same seat, don't you? I didn't feel like fighting that devil. But we got traditions. I read a story from this book recently. This pastor went to a church that had a revolving door of preachers. They just had preacher after preacher after preacher. They couldn't keep a pastor. And he got to pastor and praying and said, Lord, what will it take to have revival? And the Lord spoke to him and said, move your service to midnight on Sunday and you'll have revival. You know what he did? He got up and said, we're changing service times to midnight on Sunday night. And the Holy Ghost broke out in that church. And they had unbelievable revival. And he went to conferences and preachers would come up to him and say, Brother, what is your secret? What are you doing? And he said, if I told you, you wouldn't believe me. And they kept pressing. And he said, all right, I'm going to tell you, the only thing that we did is we changed our services to midnight on Sunday night. And they said, no, you didn't do that. He said, I told you, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. He had a word from God. And he threw tradition out the window. And don't you be getting nervous thinking we're fixing to go to midnight because God didn't tell me to do that. God told him to do that. But what I'm saying is, uh, when we get stuck in a rut, uh, God sometimes has to shake things up. Uh, so get us uh, into a place uh, where we can have revival. We think we have to have the song service just right. Uh, and we got to have preaching only this long. Uh, and hey friend, I'm to the point, God, uh, if it 
moment. I just want to have revival. I just want to see souls saved. I just want to see families in Catahoula Parish brought to God. I don't care how it happens. Oh, God. In fact, I'm just, we're going to change things up. We're going to have men, you're going to go to that side. When it's altar time, ladies, you're going to go to this side. We're going to do it. Because I said it. Just to shake it up. You know what a rut is? It's a grave with the ends knocked out. Far too many churches are in ruts. Oh, we got good singing. We got good preaching. We're going through the motions, but we're not having revival. I don't care about uh, having good service. I care about souls being saved. Uh, I care about having revival. That's all that matters. Let me tell you what else we got to break up. We got to break up the cycle. Of every Sunday salvation. Every Sunday got to pray through. Every Sunday got to talk in tongues. Every Sunday I got to get saved again. And the enemy gets people in a revolving door. Let me tell you. If you're saved on Sunday. You need to be saved on Monday. And Tuesday. And Wednesday. What happens if God don't come back on a Sunday after you prayed through? What happens if he comes back Friday when you're not living right? I've seen people, in fact, the Lord, dealt with me as a youth pastor. I had a young person. He lived like the devil. And then he'd come crawl into an altar. He'd pray back through. Go out, do the same thing. Come crawl into an altar forth. And I, I got to the point where I said, I ain't praying for him no more. I didn't say it out loud, but I said it in, in my spirit. I ain't praying for him no more. And the Lord smote my heart. And he said, you never know which one's going to be the one that sticks. And I started praying with him every time. But you know what? We got to get out of that cycle. I'm just every Sunday I need a breakthrough. Every Sunday I need a breakthrough. Because we got to grow up. I used to get so frustrated because my pastor never prayed for me. I mean, I'm talking about through my 20s, late teens, 20s. I can count on one hand the time my pastor prayed for me. I didn't realize he was teaching me because he knew I'd be praying for others. And so I don't come to church to get my life right. I try to keep my life right as I can. Oh, yeah, I'll pray on a Sunday in a prayer room to get my mind in a service. But I can't be praying through every service just trying to get my life right because I got to pray. I, I want to help you. And, and you need to be willing to help others get their life where it needs to be. Got to break this cycle of every Sunday salvation. Then we also have to break this Mindset of ministry only. You know, you got the same Holy Ghost I got. He said, I'm going to give you power. And when I give you power, you're going to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover by the spanking. You're going to cast out demons. 
You're going to do all of these things that list in the word of God. He didn't say the pastor's going to do it or the evangelist is going to do it or the prophet or the apostle or the teacher. Yes, we need the fivefold ministry operating in the kingdom of God. There is a place for it. But where we have been lulled to sleep is we think only the ministry can be used by God. No, no. The spiritual, the spiritually mature people can understand I can be in the grocery store and pray for somebody. I can be on the phone and pray for somebody. I can I can be on my job and God can use me. These people were not ministers. They were just people that wanted to help somebody get to Jesus. They were just people that said, you know what? I'm going to put my problems aside right now. And I'm going to help somebody else that has more problems than me. I'm going to help them get to Jesus. we got to break these things that are hindering revival. Listen to me. When people start flooding in, by the time I get done with a sermon on Sunday and start praying with people, I am wiped out. But there's got to be an army of people that rise up and say, I don't need the pastor right now to pray this person through. I can pray this person through the Holy Ghost. I can lay hands on this person. God is calling you. He's calling you. Stand with me right now. What happens? What happens when spiritually mature people will help other people get to Jesus? Let me tell you what happens. Sins are forgiven. He looked at him and he said, thy sins be forgiven thee. That's the first thing that happens. Then the doubters are silenced. Because those Pharisees, the Bible says they begin to reason amongst themselves. They begin to whisper, musicians, you can come. They begin to whisper. And Jesus, the Bible says when he perceived that they reasoned in their hearts, they doubted him. He said, I'm going to show you how powerful I am. Because there were four people that were mature enough to put their own needs aside and help this man get to me. I'm going to show you that I can forgive sins, which is an invisible thing. But I'm going to show you through the visible. And he said, rise, take up thy bed, and walk. So you, when, when we're mature enough to help other people get to Jesus, there's going to be people forgiven of their sins all in these altars. There's going to be the critics that looked at them and said that person can never turn their life around. That person's always going to be an invalid. That person's always going to be stuck in the rut that they've been in. And those people are going to be silenced. And restoration and healing is going to happen. Deliverance. Why did Jesus tell that man to take up his bed? If it was us, we'd hang it on the wall. We would use it as a trophy of what the Lord had done. Jesus knew that that man's life had been governed and dictated by that bed. 
It controlled that man. And true deliverance is when you can control what once controlled you. Deliverance is not a feeling. It's when God gives you the ability to control what once controlled you. And there's going to be people walk through those doors that are bound. Their vices may vary from person to person. But because we help them get to God, because we're selfless when it comes to an altar, people are going to leave here controlling what once controlled them by the power of the Holy Ghost. But it takes a church. It takes a group of people that are spiritually mature enough to say, I've been doing this a long time and God's been so good to me. I'm going to help you get to Jesus. If you want to be a part of that tonight, I want you to come. And I don't want you to come pray for yourself. I want you to come to this altar. Remember men on this side, ladies on that side. I want you to come to this altar and I want you to find somebody to put your hand on and begin to pray with.